Hi, Pastor Rob here from Blessed Hope Chapel and RobCartlidgeMinistries.com. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 85, verse 9. Okay, so I'm just going to do the last part of this sermon, hopefully. I will finish it. Psalm 85, verse 9. It says, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Now, I'm bringing this up because... The fear of the Lord is a very exempt quality in Christians today. Many Christians around the world don't fear the Lord as they should because they have this misconception of what it is to fear God. They don't think that they should fear God because God's a God of love. Why should we fear him? You know, he loves me. Why would I fear him? And my point is always the same thing, the same reason I feared my dad. I loved my dad, but I feared my dad because if I was out of, stepped out of line, my dad would give me one. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to get one, so I feared him. But I loved him, right? Now, we have a God that t- tells us in the Bible that he has a wrath. And this is a least taught doctrine in the church today, especially in the Western church, is that God has a wrath. And that is the thing that we've got to fear, his wrath. Amen? Because we don't want to get on the wrong side of God. We don't want to come under the wrath of God. We want to be above that in his arms of love and in his shelter. Do you know what I'm saying? So the fear of the Lord is a very, very important thing that we've got to really understand. And it tells us here in Psalm 85 verse 9, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him. So can we make an inference that if you don't fear him, salvation is not near you? That's on top. You should have swung that one off. Okay, thanks for that. I've lost my train of thought. Yes, so the inference inference is, if it says surely his salvation is near those who fear him, could we make an inference that it is not near those who don't fear him? So could the, could the doctrine of salvation have a clause that we keep on forgetting to look at? And remember the sermon I did a few weeks ago by, uh, called The Obedience, Obedience to Christ? And there's four elements to the doctrine of salvation which are, uh, are sorely misunderstood in the church. Because if you only know one scripture, you just think that it just takes belief in Jesus and you're saved. But the Bible also says the demons believe in Jesus and tremble. So there's a whole range of things. We've got to repent before God. We've got to have faith that, his, you know, that he died and rose again. These sorts of things. Now here it says, surely his salvation is near those who fear him. So you've got to have a fear of God also to receive salvation. So my call right now is I'm calling out to Christianity worldwide. If you don't fear God, be careful. 
you could come under the wrath of God. Because the fear of God can change a man, the way they live, the way they approach their, their uh, commitment to Jesus, the way that they live each and every day is going to be radically transformed if that person fears God, if that Christian truly fears God. All the promises in the Bible have a condition attached to them. There's many promises laid out in Scripture that don't mention the fear of God. But all of those same promises are also in through the Psalms and the Proverbs, and they have the fear of God attached to them. So all the promises that we, we read in Scripture are activated through fearing God, and as you're going to find out as I read through them. They all depend on one thing, and that is that we fear the Lord. When we understand what it is to truly fear God and walk in that fear, God's promises will be activated. See, that's what it's all about, guys, is having a deep enough revelation of the wrath of God and having a deep enough revelation of the love of God and understanding the fullness of our God in those capacities is by having that revelation, it it gives us the fear of God and we can then walk as true Christians and have all the promises active in our life. And I tell you now, when I read through these promises, you're going to want every single one of them. There'd be something wrong with you if you didn't want these promises. So let's have a look at them. He will instruct you. Psalm 25, 12 says, Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. So if you fear God, God's going to instruct you. That's a good thing, to have a tutor like God (laughs) to, to come alongside you and say, this is what you should do now. If you make this decision now and if you do that now, things are going to go well. He will keep you walking the right path. He'll keep you making the right decisions every day. He'll bless your life in so many ways that it's going to be unbelievable. So you want to fear God because he, he will instruct those that fear him. He confides in you. Psalm 25, 14 said, the Lord confides. What's con- confide? What's that mean? Trust. He'll tell you a secret. Hey, come over here, Rob. I've got a secret for you. He'll tell us something deep that he might not have told everybody else. Or he might reveal something in Scripture that he might not reveal to everyone else. He will confide in you. He will tell you the deep, hidden mysteries of the gospel. And we, who, who would love to have that sort of confidence with God? To know that he loves you that much, that he will confide in you. But he confides in those who fear him, which means he won't confide in you if you don't fear him. You will lack nothing. Psalm 34, 9 says, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Doesn't mean he'll make you a millionaire, but he will make sure that you lack nothing in your life. You'll have everything you need to get through day by day, to get through life. So fearing the Lord is important. Good things. Psalm 31, 19 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. He stores up goodness for you. He stores it up. He's got it in heaven. All these good good things he's storing up for you. And if you fear him, those good things will be given to you. You know why he gives them to God-fearers? He gives those good things? Because he gives the good things to those who are humble enough to acknowledge his omnipotence, his power. If we're humble enough to say, God, you are awesome. You are a God that can wipe out the universe with the breath of your mouth. And yes, I acknowledge your power. I acknowledge your wrath. I acknowledge who you are. And he looks down on you and says, I love you. 
I love a guy like that. You know, here's some good things. Here, have some, have some. You know, Solomon asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. And God said, because you asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you the richest man on earth. And then Solomon tested out those riches and went pretty crazy with them as well. And sort of lost his way as well. So anyway, goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the sight of men, God will bestow blessings upon blessings upon you. Protection, Psalm 33, 18 to 19. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. See, even if we go through a famine, if we fear God, he will keep us alive. Isn't that good to know? So when you don't have to fear dying of starvation. Because just like Elijah was 40 days running you know, away from Jezebel, and the ravens came and fed him. The ravens. God sent ravens with meat and bread and gave him a good old feed, and then he had another 40 days strength to go right up to this mountain. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death, which means if you're in a situation where you could be confronted with it, in a, a situation where death could be possible, God will protect you. And, of course, we've got to understand from that same perspective. There is a time allotted to a man when that man will die. But Satan will try to make that time earlier, of course. He wants to get rid of us sooner than our allotted time. But the God-fearers, those that fear God, God will protect until that allotted time. You won't be able to die until the appointed time set by God. That makes sense? Because Satan cheats people. Satan cheats people out of life way earlier than they should. But we've got to fear God, and then he'll give us long life. Angelic protection. Listen to this one, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Who would like to know if you could look into the spiritual realm and you could see an army of angels encamped around you? Big, giant angels, muscly, you know, awesome angels, light beaming out of them, powerful, being able to, they could lift up a mountain with a finger. That sort of power. And they got these giant swords. Wouldn't you love to be able to know that those angels were all around you at all times? That they encamped around you when you lie down to sleep? They, they, made, they set up camp. Do you know what I mean? Now that's promised to God-fearers. Who remembers the story of Elijah and Elisha? And you remember, because uh, Elijah passed on his baton in a sense to Elisha, and Elisha then, um, he had a servant... Gahadi, I think his name was. I can't remember his exact name. Anyway, there was a point where this army was coming towards Elisha, and Elisha's up on a mountaintop, and he's just sitting there casually, and this army's coming to kill him. And his servant, Gehazi, said to him, Elisha, what are you doing? You know, look out there. There's an army of men coming. And Elisha said, Lord, show him. And so the Lord opened Gehazi's eyes, and he saw the army of the Lord in front of Elisha with angels and powerful weapons and you know just Gehazi's like a ha oh, ha no wonder. Elisha could see in the spiritual realm. He was a God fearer. He could see in the spiritual realm. He could see what was actually in front of him who encamped around him and the army that was coming before him had no idea they were there. So that's that's promise to God fearers. He loves and forgives. 
Psalm 103, 11 to 12, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Can we make an inference? If we don't fear him, he doesn't love us. Some people, that would put their nose out of joint. But the Bible says it. So great is his love for those who fear him. He has great love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know when they say Jesus can remove your transgressions from you as far as the east is from the west, they preach that from pulpits all over the world. They, they preach that part, but they forget to add, if you fear him. And don't get me wrong, there's many ministers that do preach that. I'm not the only one. There's, there's thousands all around the earth. But there's many ministers that don't go and preach it because they think it's too in your face, it's too confronting, people don't like to hear it, that you have to actually fear God. Because they've got this concept of fear being, you know, like the fear that a man would have for someone like Satan. If you fear Satan, he actually takes advantage of you. And he's going to make your life worse. And the more you fear him, the more he's going to crush you and try to destroy you. Because he, he gets off on having someone fear him. And then he wants to make you fear him even more. You know what I mean? The more you fear God, the more he loves you. The more you fear God, the more he brings you to himself and, and confides in you and embraces you and protects you. Complete opposite kind of thing. And that's what the, the many Christians today don't understand. So make sure you understand this because you've got to get this revelation. Now, if you, can, if you honestly in your heart don't think you fear God, then you've got to start praying, God, show me what I need to see so that I can fear you properly. You know, Because the Bible also says there is a sum total of fear due to the Lord. There's fear due to God. That means we owe it to him. You know, and if you owe someone something, you better pay up. You know what I mean? We've got to pay up that fear, and that means if we don't have it, then we've got to say, what's wrong with me? I need to repent of something because something is stopping me from getting this full and complete revelation. Okay, provides food. Psalm 111, verse 5, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. See, if you fear him, he'll remember the covenant, the new covenant that Jesus you know, shed his blood for to, to authorize that covenant, to make it, establish that covenant. He remembers that covenant and it, that covenant is active in your life if you fear him. He's, this is important, don't you think? Who thinks this is important? I think it's really important. The fear of God is, is a, the most important subject there is. Love for future generations. Psalm 103, verse 17, 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. The, and his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. See, if you fear the Lord, you will remember to obey his precepts. You will remember to keep his covenant. You will remember to not sin. And when you, you, if sin confronts you, the fear of God will come upon you and you'll say, man, I fear God more than I want to do that sin and I won't sin. And from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is, is with those who fear him. From everlasting to everlasting. Eternity. Prosperous descendants. Psalm 112 verses 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. 
Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. So if I want my children to be mighty in the land, I've got to fear God. Venus got to fear God. And if we fear God, our children will be mighty and our children will fear God. And their children will be mighty in the land. So this is important stuff. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Amen. Fruitful. Psalm 128, verses 1 to 4. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Who knows what it's like to earn money all week and not see any of it and not be able to eat from it? I've had that experience where I've earned money and, and it's all gone on bills, stuff just gone out the door and not been able to eat. You know? It's good to know that everything you do is going to, you know, come back to you. You're going to receive some of it. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. I'll add your sons and daughters around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. See? All the promises that are promised in the Bible depend on a condition. Fear God. Fear God. We must understand what it is. We must actually live it out. We must have that fear in our heart. Blessings. Psalm 115, 13. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. We'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. Health. Proverbs 3, 7, 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You could write a really short book on health with that verse, couldn't you? Because that's all that needs to be said, just that. Bang. One page, put that right in the middle. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. End of story. Fearing God will make you healthy. Isn't that amazing? I find this amazing. And how many Christians are sick, and, and we struggle with, with different things. And I believe it's due to a lack of the fear of God. I believe it's due to that. Avoid sin. Proverbs 16, 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Who knows what it's like to walk, some, walk into a place and there's $20 on a table. And you're the old, like in my old nature, I might have gone, oh, that, that'll be mine. But in my new nature, and the, 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 given by the Spirit, I'll say, that's stealing. I can't do that. Why? Because I fear God. He's given me a conscience. If I steal that, I'm going to have to stand accountable before God. Recently, um, someone asked me to uh, rip a few DVDs for them and it's not who you think of um, but someone else and and I said no I can't do that and they go why he said why he goes because it's in the eyes of God we can't do that and we all know in the starts of these DVDs they tell us copyright conditions and it's a it's a it's a penalty for doing it if you get caught 
doesn't mean people don't do it. It's just that it's there. It's, it's illegal. In the eyes of God, we're going to have to stand accountable due to that. So we can't rip CDs. I don't believe in even downloading movies anymore off the internet. We've got to stop doing it. I believe we should stop doing it because it's stealing. It's, a, it's against the copyright. Well, I think we should, you know, um, if you're going to watch a movie, pay a bit. Go down to the DVD shop. It's better quality usually, and you put it on the new big screen effect and the whole thing, and I think it's a better thing. But anyway, the, the point is, we've got to watch on those things because we somehow block it out. Oh, no, it's not stealing because you're allowed to do it on the internet. But we know it is. You know what I'm saying? So we've got to watch all those things. And and fearing God helps us to avoid those things. Because the last thing I want anyone here to to hear when they get to judgment is you were a thief and you never stopped being a thief. And you go, how was I a thief? In the downloads. In your copying of DVDs that shouldn't have been copying and passing them around and giving them out for free. All those things, that's stealing. You know, we've got to be careful of that. And I'm saying it to me too. Seriously, I'm not. I'm not uh, devoid of doing it. I have done that in the past, and I've got to stop it as well. We all have to. It's too easy on the internet, isn't it? It's too easy. There's so much to download that you know in, the, in your heart of hearts. You know, if you go to the uh, movie company that made that that movie, say, "Can I actually do that?" They'll say, "No." <laughs> I've spent millions making that movie. <laughs> You're just downloading it for free. Sorry? Uh, I don't think so because it's free to air. I don't, I don't know. I won't comment on that. Talk to a lawyer and that yeah. Copying a movie like on a VHS, putting it in and copying it so you can watch it later. I, I don't think that's, that's much of an issue. Anyway. Maybe they would. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's less of a. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a lawyer to say so, <laughs> but I know the other one is definitely a case that we've got to watch. Yeah, all right. Our desires fulfilled. Psalm 145, 19 to 20. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Who has desires in this room? You have desires. You have things you want to do. Things you want to achieve in life, right? Now, as long as they're godly, in a sense that you're not actually out there trying to do, you know, terrible things or things that you know in your heart that you shouldn't be doing, those desires many times can come from God, and He can help you to fulfil them. But there's a condition attached. You must fear God. He hears their cry and saves them. He hears these people. The Lord watches over all who love Him, but all the wicked He's going to destroy. He watches over you. God's delight, Psalm 147, 10 to 11. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him. You know, don't, as humans, we delight in watching athletes, you know, compete and, you know, sports stars, and we delight in all that sort of stuff, and it's sort of mesmerising, you know, wow, look what you can achieve if you're committed, and look how good these guys are. There's so much skill, talent. And we, we delight in that. God doesn't delight in that. God doesn't see much in that. It's like, you know, oh, well done. You, you can kick a football really well. But the issue with God is, if you don't fear him, he's going to discard of you. But he delights in a man 
who just love, um, who, who fears him with all their heart and loves him with a passion and avoids sin because of that. Does that make sense? He, he loves that. He loves that in a person. So to me, I want to fear God and I want to get to know deeper and deeper and deeper what it is to fear God because I think it's going to change my life. I think it's going to change my Christianity. It's going to change everything about the person I am. And I think in hopefully if I learn what it is to truly fear God and walk in that true fear of God, um, there'll be a different Rob in a few years' time. And I think all of you here, if you truly learn what it is to fear the Lord, if you can truly adopt it into your heart, your life, your mind, your way of approach to every moment of every day, if you can be governed by that fear, it's going to radically transform your life. In all the ways that we've just read, all these promises are going to do this in us. Amen? Long life. Listen to this. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord adds length to life. Adds length. Who wants to have a long life? Right? I'll tell you, God, God's going to give you eternal life. That's the sort of length of life he's going to give you. But he will also give you a long life on earth too, a long healthy life. He's promised health to your bones, promised you strength. You know, he promises you length to your life. But the years of the wicked, of course, are going to be cut short. Proverbs 14, 2, he whose walk is upright fears the Lord, but he whose ways are devious despises him. See, you can't walk an upright life, I don't believe, if you don't fear God. Truly upright. You can't truly walk as a righteous man unless you fear God. Because the fear then, that fear will activate the Holy Spirit conscience in your life and your conscience will be highly alerted to all sin. And therefore, the fact that you're actually walking righteously will be an act of God in your life. But if you don't fear God, the Holy Spirit won't be active in your life. And if you're trying to walk righteously, it'll be your own act, your own effort, your own work. And then it becomes a work salvation, like you're trying to be right all the time. But if it's God doing it, it, that can only be done through the fear of God. It must be activated. The Holy Spirit actively works in you if you fear God. Yeah? Protection from death. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Isn't that nice? I like refuges. They sound good. They sound like nice places to be. You know, everyone wants to be in a place of refuge. When you go and get into your bed at night, you want to feel like you're in that a place of refuge, like God's got his hand over you and you can sleep peacefully. Yeah? You want that? Fear God. Fear God. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Listen to that. These are amazing scriptures. Who's getting them? You know, when I put them all together, I was absolutely, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, I never knew this. I did not know this. Now that you see them all together, when you see what it is to fear the Lord and you see the blessings that come one by one, when you add them all together, it's just enormous. It's like every blessing and promise in the Bible is activated by one thing, fearing God. And you know what? As I said before, the church doesn't teach on it much. And I'm shocked. I think the 21st century, 20th, 21st century has missed the most valuable, valuable thing that would make the church the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. It would make us Christians the most powerful men, most boldest men on the face of the earth. 
But we forgot what it is to fear God. We don't know anymore. Therefore, our devotional life is weak. We don't read the Bible as we should. We don't pray as we should. We don't avoid sin as we should. We don't speak as we should. We don't act as we should. All of these things, and then we get sick, we get, you know, our bodies ache, and our, uh, you know, we do things that we shouldn't do, and we get involved in things, and we think later, why did I do that? Why did I say that? How come? How come? All because of one thing, guys. Fearing God. Fearing God can do this in us. Amen? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. He will keep you from death. Rest. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content and untouched by trouble. The fear of the Lord leads to life. How's that? And then you can rest. Who wants to rest untouched by trouble? Yeah. Put up your hand if you get touched by trouble. If you get touched by trouble. How? Do you get touched by trouble often? I do. Right? I want to rest untouched by trouble. Right? I've got to fear God. We've got to fear God. Wealth and honour. Uh, Proverbs 22, 4. Humility and the fear of the Lord brings wealth and honour and life. Who wants to have wealth? Not a million dollars, but who would like to have enough wealth to live well? Yeah? I think every single person on the face of the earth would put their hand up for that. Actually, it is so coveted that I think the world is driven by that. But we want to know that God gives us wealth. And wealth enough to live well. And honour? Who wants honour? Wouldn't it be nice to be honoured? You know, not to, so you can boast and carry on. Just so people would honour you. You know, there's a man of God. We'll honour him. He's coming in. How are you? Nice to meet you. And, you know, honour. A little bit of honour was nice. You don't want to be disrespected, do you? Or dishonoured. You want the opposite. And, of course, we want life. Zealous, Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not let your hearts envy sinners, but always be zealous. What for? The fear of the Lord. Get zealous for this. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get as zealous as I can for it. This is what this whole sermon's about. I, wanna, I want you guys to get zealous for the fear of the Lord. Let it drive you. Let it change you and transform you into who you're meant to be. And I'll tell you what, it's going to just bring blessings upon blessings upon blessings to your life. And, you know, one day you'll look back and go, wow, I'm so glad I turned to God in that way. Because look at what he's added to me. You know? Proverbs 28, 14, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Don't harden your heart to this teaching. If you don't like how I'm teaching it, still don't harden your heart. Just receive it as because the Bible says it. You know, don't harden your hearts. And that, because if you harden your heart to this teaching, you fall into trouble. So people on the internet will say, hang on, I don't believe you should fear the Lord. And I'll say, well, the Bible tells us to. Yeah, but I don't think we should. All right, well, you hardened your heart you're going to suffer the consequences. But we should fear God. Yeah? Praised women. Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Who knows that? I'm not as beautiful as I used to be. Neither are you, Matthew. Um, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So 
why I want my, my wife and my daughters to fear the Lord and, and they will receive praise. So you don't get praise until that time. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful. This is the fear you don't want to have, all right? If we deliberately keep on sinning. Now, we've got to get these words into our heart because there's, you, you know, I've been over this whole once saved, always saved thing quite a bit now. And uh, the problem with it is, it doesn't restrain a man from going out and doing sinful activity. If you say you can't lose your salvation no matter what you do, that person rubs his hands together and goes out and gets into all sorts of strife and sin. If we deliberately, the Bible says, keep on sinning, if we go out with that in mind, that's our intent, we're just going out to sin, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. If you deliberately keep on sinning, the blood of Jesus has no more power in your life. That is a terrible, most diabolical place to be. Imagine if Jesus says, said to you while you lived, you know what? I can't, my power has no you know, effect in you anymore. I, ca- I cannot atone for you anymore because you have not turned. There's a lot of Christians out there that are living the most, you know, lewd lifestyles. And they don't realise that the blood of Jesus doesn't atone any longer for them. It has no effect in them. And am I saying this? Is this Rob or is this the Bible? The Word of God says it. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And, but you know what's left? Only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. There's only hell left for the Christian that does not stop sinning. Only hell awaits that person. You know, when I read that, that really slapped me in the face big time. Actually, it punched me in the nose. Actually, it did me over big time. I was like under the fear of God straight away. That scripture will put you under the fear of God. It will keep you from sinning. You don't want to know that God's, uh, Jesus' blood, who is God, Jesus' blood does not atone for you anymore, do you? You don't want to ever find that out. When you get to judgment day and Jesus says, sorry, can't help you. But I believed in you. Your blood atones for my sin, doesn't it? You say, well, it did at one stage. But you deliberately sinned. You deliberately walked the other way. You deliberately kept on doing what I told you not to do. The Bible is cut and dry about what sin is. It's all through the Bible. I'm going to actually do a sermon soon that's just going to list off all the sins that the Bible talks about. And you'll find that from a universal perspective, it covers, covers all sin. Don't be found in that situation at Judgment Day. And really, my ministry is all about preparing preparing believers for the end times that are approaching and for the coming judgment. That's what the ministry is all for. That's what I'm here to do, and that's what I'm, I'm going to keep on hitting home all the time, is, guys, one day we're going to stand before God, and we're going to face judgment. 
And every word that I've, I have said about it is going to come pouring back into your mind. And you're going to hope either one of the two ways. You'll be thinking, thank God I listened and changed. Or you'll be thinking, why didn't I listen and change? Because now when I'm standing before God and, oh, well, what Rob was reiterating from the Bible is actually true. We're here. Here's God. And here's the assembly of all men and women who have ever lived in all of eternity. Multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes. You will be blown away when you see it. It's going to be, it's going to happen. You're going to look around and as far as you can see in every direction is going to be swarms and swarms and swarms of people. And on one side, there's going to be a division line. It's going to be a big division line. One side of it is going to be those that follow Jesus and who feared God. The God-fearers are going to be on that side and on the other side is going to be those that didn't follow Jesus and didn't fear God. Which side are you going to be on, guys? Decide today that you're a God-fearer. Decide today that you will fear God until the end. Amen? Who knows that we don't know how long we're going to be alive? You know? We don't know if we're gone tomorrow. We don't know if a bomb drops on Adelaide tomorrow and just wipes it out. And it says, it's destined for a man to die once and after that to face judgment. The moment you die, after that you face judgment. I don't know how that all works, right? Because judgment day is one particular day. How it works, whether you're transported to that time or whatever... But it will happen. A believer, however, will also, their spirit will be absent from the body, will be present with the Lord. But you want to know when you get to judgment day that you're on the side of the God-fearers. Amen? So if you haven't repented, if you haven't turned to God with all your heart, if you don't fear God, today's the day. Today's the day to change. Because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Amen? Work out your salvation. We are not saved by works, but by grace. This is true. However, the New Testament is clear that we must produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We must have fruit. There must be fruit evident in our life. If there's no fruit in your life that proves that you have turned from sin, that you are living in that place of repentance, then you've got to start praying to God, help me to produce fruit. What is it to Truly fear God. What is it to produce fruit? Amen. Sorry. If we continue to live in the old life of sin, once we have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, then no sacrifice for sins is left, only a fearful expectation of judgment. Do the will of God. Why? Because Matthew 7, 21 to 23, I quote this a lot, don't I? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord Jesus, you're my Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who enters heaven? He who does the will. Only he who does the will. And what's God's will for you? That you fear him. And if you fear him, all the promises will be active in your life and you will avoid sin because you can't fear God and sin at the same time. You could... You, to, to sin, you must not fear God. 
So, but only he does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? That's just a brief view of what they're going to be saying. They're going to be saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I not sing in church for you? Lord, Lord, didn't I, uh, you know, um, tell people about you? Lord, didn't I read the Bible every day? Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? There's going to be so many things people are going to be saying, and Jesus will say, get away from me. Get away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. Because they never did the will of God. And they never feared God. And then this one I'll, I'll read quickly as well. Matthew 7, 24 to 27, which follows the previous scripture. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words that were spoken today about the fear of the Lord. Everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. That's all the trials and tribulations of this life. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. If you build on the rock, if you put your foundation in, and you know how you set a foundation in the rock of Christ? Through fear. It's the fear of God that makes that foundation get in there. You know, if you have to cut into a rock and put a big pole down in there and and concrete it in. The only way to cut a hole into that rock is through the fear of God. You can't get any foundation in Christ unless you fear him and fear his father. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Do you know, I can only speak for myself. I teach this stuff. I've got to obey. I've got to fear God, right? I have to, I have to really work on myself to actually make sure that I obey as well. Because, you know, the judgment is going to be stricter with me. If I teach this and then don't do it, my judgment is stricter. There's a worse part of hell waiting for me if I don't obey So this brings this that gives me the fear of God straight away, because I know that those that teach, who presume to teach, are going to be judged more strictly. But also at the same time, if I presume to teach, I better teach the truth. I better tell you, I better tell you what the word says straight up. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not, not going to be make it seeker sensitive. I'm not going to make it nice on the ear so that you come back every week because oh, Rob made me feel so good today. No, I've got to tell you straight. I've got to tell you straight. And you know what? I can't, I'm not accountable. Once, I've, once the word has gone out, after that, you have to do the work. You have to be hard on yourself. You've got to do something in here. You've got to discipline the body. Paul says, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He beats his body, makes the slave. And what he's talking about the body, he's not just talking about physically. He's talking about spiritually, mentally. He beats it. He subdues it. He says no to sin and yes to living totally and completely for Christ and doing his will, doing the will of God. We've got to, guys. So my, I'm putting it out there today. Guys, fear God. Learn what it is to fear God. If you don't fully get a grip on that, Start praying. Start praying, God, show me what it is. Show me what it is to fear God. Amen.
So Christians must live with the wisdom that only comes from the knowledge of the fear of God. This is the way to build on the rock. Amen. This is the way to build on the rock. Knowing that there is a God who watches your every move, who reads your every thought. This will keep us in the will of God and from falling back into sin. He watches your every move. He sees everything you do. Nothing is done in secret. How many of you know that you can do things and say, oh, I can do this. Maybe God doesn't see it. And it justifies you doing something that you know you shouldn't do. You know? It's pretty easy to do that. But we've got to remember, God sees everything. He reads our every thought. That's why I said, remember in, in the sermon, I think it was last week or the week before, and I said, uh, the word says to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought. How disciplined is that? Every single thought. Who knows how many thoughts we have a day? Thousands, thousands of thoughts go rushing through our mind every day. Take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. If we fear God, we will walk in a balance of faith that will ensure that we never lose our salvation. That's what it's all about. Fearing God ensures that we get through this life and we get into eternal life. Now, what I'm teaching you today, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what the early church taught. This is what they taught those that followed. The disciples of the original apostles would hear messages like this and it would be hard. It required obedience. It required discipline. It required humbleness. It required dedication and commitment to live the Christian life the proper way. And I know, I've been in many churches, I've been in many churches over the years, Vina and I and the kids. How much of that really called for discipline? Not much. I had this, this is, this, you, know, you know, just believe, that's all it is. Just believe, you know, go home and have a great week. But we're not getting called to wrestle with this stuff. We're not getting called to take our Christianity seriously and wrestle the faith and wrestle with our flesh nature, our sin nature that wants to do wrong and make it obedient to Christ. And I'm preaching this because I need to hear it, you need to hear it, and we need to start acting on it. We need to start to see it evident, see it coming to pass in us, evident in us. Amen? All right. We're getting late in time, so I won't go any further. And I've only got one scripture left. So, shall I read it? All right. Okay. Quickly turn with me. Psalm 34. This is a lesson in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 34. Be a good one to finish on. Psalm 34 11. We're all there. Come, my little children. Or my children. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, that's all of us here, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Keep your tongue from evil. Don't swear. Avoid swearing at all costs. Who, Anthony, you remember the rule in our gym? Anyone swears you have to do 30 push-ups. The whole gym. <laughs> They soon learned not to swear. I was amazed how many people that used to swearing all the time could be so obedient <laughs> to not swearing when it came to our gym. Hey? You were all right. Well, everyone was. They all became all right with it. One night we did 150 push-ups, nearly back-to-back. 
Yeah, we all had to do it, so we all got punished. So everyone gave the other guy who swore heaps, you know. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He's watching us, guys. If we claim to be righteous, we claim to be the righteousness of Christ. His eyes are on us and his ears are attentive to our cry, to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. If you do evil, God will cut off the memory of you. If you refuse to take on the fear of the Lord and continue to to live in evil, God's going to cut off your memory. You don't want that. No one wants that. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Isn't that good? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And the last thing he's delivered us from, remember guys, is death. The trouble of death. When it comes, he will deliver you from death. You will die from this life, but you will receive eternal life. And isn't that worth praising the Lord about? He protects all his bones. He'll protect our bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. If you take refuge in Jesus Christ, if you take refuge in the covenant that he died to give to us or to implement, establish, I should say, he will, you will never be condemned and you will always see life. Amen. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know? All right. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you for this time now. We thank you for the message. And Lord, I really did feel that the Holy Spirit spoke today. I pray that everyone's hearts here has been radically uh, affected and impacted by this uh, revelation of the fear of God. And I pray that we go home with this. I pray that we let this, all, uh, every single one of us here will let this change us and change the way we approach our Christian life and the way that we approach every single day in this world. And Lord, so I just ask that your hand of blessing will be upon us and that you'll move each and every one of us here to have deep, deep revelations of this truth. And so, Lord, we commit it to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless, bless us this day. Bless us the rest of this, uh, for this whole week and bring us all safely together next week. And uh, may you do something wonderful with us. Uh, may we, you help uh, set up divine appointments for us to meet with people that uh, don't know you and to speak to them and, and bring them to the light. Uh, so be with us now and protect us in the name of Jesus. Amen. listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine and end times. Feel free to check them out.